Welcome, everybody. Thank you in audio land and TV land for watching us on another episode today. My name is Mark. I'm Lewis. And I'm Mike. And again, today we have a, we had a pretty good podcast today. We got a former Tesla manufacturing engineer who's going to come online and talk to us about his early Model S. It's a 2012 and it and it's a kind of what he said, a hundred and said kilometers. Yeah, so he so so I'm we'll definitely be looking forward to hearing from that. We're also going to talk about a guide for the perfect safety score. There's a gentleman on the forums who has it all figured out. We'll talk about that. The NH the NHTSA is also investigating a Model Y fire. What's that about? I'm sure a lot of us have heard about that. And uh, we'll have also some behind the scenes information of the the, the New York Times doc about Elon's crash course. JT's going to fill us in on a lot of stuff. So. Strap in, ladies and gentlemen, episode 11 starts now. As always, my brothers from another mother, Lewis and Mike, these handsome gentlemen. How y'all doing? Y'all good? <laughs> We're doing what well. Here. Weekend. Good. I know. Well, well. For you, for Nina's not. But uh, yeah, you, you guys got special plans happening. Top talking gun. to you. Top oh. gun, baby. <laughs> Top gun. Oh, oh don't. Oh, <laughs> oh. Anyway, 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 uh, anyway, anyway. Sorry. So we're we're here. For, we're here for something else. So guys, thank you for coming out to see us and hear us today. We have a special guest that I want to get right to right away. His name is J T Stooks. Is that right, J T Stooks? Yeah, that's right. Oh, yay! <laughs> Gold JT. star for Mark. Welcome, JT. <laughs> JT, thanks for coming on today and, and hanging out with us, man, on this weekend. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, hey, hey, man. There's a lot that you could bring to the table here, and um, a, a lot of people, hopefully, out there will be able to ask questions and, and feel free. People who are watching us, uh, probably I think Twitch too, but for YouTube, definitely put some questions down for JT because JT. He knows some stuff. He knows where the biters are buried, let me tell you. So, uh, JT, if you can, my friend, introduce yeah. yourself to everyone listening and watching and tell us a little bit about you and how you got into Tesla. Yeah, so um, uh, so I, I started working for Tesla as a manufacturer in engineering. I worked in a material handling group, but uh, I started in 2014 and I, I left in 2018. Uh, and uh, I did lots of lots of uh, mechanical engineering mostly for moving moving parts around the plant um, I moved can you, can you kind of tell us what that yeah. is kind of just yeah so um, for instance Tesla makes drive units in in the facility and they bring they make rotors they make uh, the stators they make uh, what are the rotors stator and um, I don't know they make rotors and stators uh, and um, and uh, the inverters sorry the electronic parts um, and those are lines in the facility and they get finished and then they need to all get assembled into a drive unit, um, into the motor. And they don't always end up at the same place. So uh, I would do lots of projects that would bring the rotors, uh, bring bring the parts to where they would need need to be next in the plant. Um, I also did sort of parts where um, the battery enclosures are made of aluminum. They have lots of steel parts in them. You have to get galvanic corrosion uh, if you don't properly treat those parts. So the aluminum enclosure would get uh, coated, um, e-coated in paint, um, but we'd have to get put on a paint rack and taken off a paint rack. And so I would do projects like that as well. 
So you're 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 involved with the, an overview of of managing all those processes that actually take place to make all those things. Work. Yeah, so so I I did the actual engineering work to solve those processes. So I I, I specified designed uh, equipment that would do that, um, and so I work with um, some of the people that would sort of develop the process. Um, they were not necessarily me. I would I would have you know involvement. I would talk to them about that uh, to make sure that you know what I, what we were solving for was the process that they needed, or if they if I needed to change the process to make it more automation friendly, um, it would still solve what their their need was. So, but I, but I, I designed, so like I specified some robots, I specified some, some pick arms to move biter enclosures around. I designed, um, designed eco racks, things like that. So were, were, it's safe to say you were around when the model three came up, came about, right? Yeah. So I, I started before model X launch, um, and worked heavily on that. And, um, and then I worked, um, through conceptual phase of model three, all the way to really the start of heavy production of Model 3. Um, it was about June of uh, 20, 2018 when I left. So right was when the, Model 3s were starting to become available. Was the, was, the, was the production process of the Model 3, was it radically different from the X and the S prior? Did you, did you have to do new, a new ways of thinking to make that process work? So, so yeah, originally the Model 3, we were going to build it traditional sort of auto manufacturer um, style. Um, and then... Um, there were a lot more constraints that were, were decided to be put on us. Like we, we needed to fit inside the facility. We needed to use less space and um, we needed to come up with a, a new sort of concept. And, and basically what that ended up being is we, we ended up elevating the, the manufacturing line above the floor um, so we could move is, things that, that was underneath cool. it. Um, that was we can cool. move under things underneath it. And that was, that was one of the things that came up early on. There's a big debate over, do you want to move things above it or do you want to move things below it? Um, and, and there's, there's big discussions there. There's lots of other discussions about how would you compact, um, the line. And a lot of that actually, actually got pushed back to the design team to, uh, reduce complexity of the car, um, build, right. If you have, if you have, you know, a thousand parts versus 600 parts, um, a thousand parts is going to take more space to, to, to assemble, uh, cause you need to have those parts. You need to be able to have space to install them. Um, things like that. The, the, the model three, cause a, a, Mike and myself, we own a Model 3. Lewis, you know, he's getting his plaid. So yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's a little... He's not an owner there. yet. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's not an owner yet. But um, a lot of people... Uh, the Model 3 was, in my opinion, kind of put Tesla out there because I, didn't, I, I was not even looking at Tesla until the Model 3 kind of came out yeah. because I, I couldn't afford the X or the S. But the Model 3 is, is really, a, I think, a fantastic vehicle in a, in a number of ways. So... Um, if you can tell us how, how much time, cause I wanted to always know this too, when I was waiting for my, de- my build, my date to be, uh, or for my delivery date to come, can, can you tell us like how, how long it would take a model three to be built from, if, if you know, from like the stamping process to like VIN? Yeah. So, um, so stamping is kind of, um, separated from the building of the car you build up like an inventory and you, you big big you do big batches of stamping you don't stamp you know two sides and then and then you know you build the car after it no you stamp a week's worth of sides right because you have to change all this tooling and die there's a big overhead and changing the part over so you do a lot of accumulation and stamping so if you're going to talk stamping it's plus two weeks um to whatever i'd, I'd be able to tell you because it, it's, it's on a cycle you run like a two-week cycle now you might t- stamp you know body side rights 
three times during that cycle, but you, you stamp on a cycle and you maintain an inventory. But um, once the vehicle, um, once you once you decide that you're going to build the vehicle, um, you would start in body and white, and that's where you're welding the, the welding the body together, the uh, the hang ons, so the doors and the, the all the closures as well. Um, from there. Um, that's a relatively quick process. I, I wasn't heavily involved with Model Three on that, but that's um, you know in the in the order of hours. Uh, it's not it's not days or anything like that. It, it's in the order of probably five or six hours for when your your vehicle is going to start at the beginning in the body and white and go to the end. It's a very very quick process. Um, wow. uh, it's almost entirely automated. Um, there's people putting parts into fixtures and things like that, but robots are installing everything and you know, you've got a bunch of robots in there and they're just doing this choreographed dance. So everything goes well, right? There's no stoppages or anything like that. It's on the order of hours. Um, and and then then after that, um, you have a, a car body and you have some doors and a, a trunk um, at that point. <laughs> the right? And they're, the all, they're, all, they're all raw steel iron, you know, they're all raw steel. So um, then your that vehicle will go into paint. Uh, the doors and um, closures... Uh, um, I, can't, I can't remember for Model Three if, if they take the um, the doors and closures off and paint them separately or not. I think that they do. Um, the doors might stay on and the, the trunk lid might might be painted separately. But um, you, the, the vehicle goes in through paint. Um, paint is a little bit longer process, uh, but the, the painting. It, so you, you dip it in a bunch of chemical baths. You do undercoating, which is e-coat, um, and a couple of things like that. Um, you build up the thickness of your your paint undercoat, and then you do the paint on top, which is what you see and whatever things about paint. But um, that, that's a, a little bit longer process. You're dipping the car, you're waiting for it to dry and, you know, drip and things like that. So um, I think that Model 3, I don't really remember. I don't say it's like 8 to 12 hours. Um, that's, that's from and, start to finish. From so start to finish. Stamped. And, and that, that, that involves like a little bit of cure time. So the paint is like touch safe, right? You're not going to want to rub on it or anything like that. It's not fully cured at that point, but it's, it's enough to go through the line where you're, you know, you don't have... You know, you wear covers on your watches and rings, and you don't, there's no no metal on the assembly line. At least it's not supposed to be. So, um, lo, so Lewis wants to know about yep. the plaid. So let's ask about the plaid. You, you know about the Model S, right? So, so I, how I know so so how long do those take in comparison? The Model S, typical Model S. So so back when I back when I was there, um, it was about six hours. I want to say for Model S body. Um, Model X was Model X was longer. It was like probably about nine hours. I want to say the Model X line because wow. of the the fancy doors, the gold doors that they had more mechanical uh, that had to be done. The Model X was a, a much more complex assembly. Yeah, it also had a, a different um, underneath pan. It was a lot more. Um, in, in a, it also used like used nails and a couple other really cool fastening um, type, type things. But they 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 took a long time. It was just a really long line. It was about it was probably like three times longer than the Model S line in terms of like length and wow. pitch pitch count. Um, is really big. So the Model X, uh, it, was, it was faster. Like the vehicles went through the line faster. It's just a lot longer. So I want to say there was about nine hours. Um, um, and then paint is basically the same for almost all of them, that the, the paint time isn't a big... Uh, now, when, when they do paint, variable. and, and yep. this is just curiosity, I would imagine they do it in batches. Like they say, okay, we've got, you know, 40 cars queued up or 40, you know, assemblies queued up. We want them all white. And we're yeah. just going to spray everything white and then we're going to shift the color to blue or to black or whatever the next color scheme is. I, I can't so, imagine they just change colors dynamically. So you can change colors dynamically. Really? So most, of the auto, most of auto manufacturing has has wanted that for a long time. Um, and so it's very easy to, to change over color. Um, I like how he says most, it's very easy. 
<laughs> most of most of the or, or it's it's a solved problem. Most of the paint is it's not it's not paint like you would paint your wall or even really spray paint. Um, it's electrically charged. It and it's not it, it's it's wet. Um, it's got you know um, wetness in there, so it, it's smooth when it is applied. But it yeah. doesn't. You don't spray it on. It's not so wet it's electric, like water it's or anything like that. Is what you're you, saying. you charge the car and yeah. the paint is charged and it gets pulled to the car. So think of it like a dust cloud. It, it, it's paint and it's wet, but think of it more like a dust cloud and you're you're sucking the dust on there. And then what you do is you just blow out all the color and you go to a new color. There's it's not a lot of uh, mess or drip or anything like that. Interesting. Wow. Um, so after actually, it hits the car and collects, it might drip a little bit, but but the, the paint itself is just really, really tiny aerosolized particles that, that aren't, they don't collect or, or smear or anything like that. Okay, so on that note, because I'm actually curious because it's been, you know, reading things that people post and a lot of it's speculative. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I've seen people claim is like, oh, yeah, they do colors and batches. You're saying that you don't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have read to. The so same you, don't, thing. you don't need to do that. You will save a little bit of paint if you do two black cars um, back to back. If you do two black cars back to back, you don't have to purge out your line. It's a very small Makes amount sense. of paint. It's a small amount of cost. You also can't change over um, any color to any color. So. You can't go from like red to white because <laughs> you get you'll get a pink car. Um, that, that's that's pretty common in lots of industrial processes, right? You can you can do lots of the changeovers, but what you can do is you go from you can go from red to, to black or red to gray and then gray to white. Um, so there's not a, an unlimited switching, but you can switch between every car. Gotcha. Um, so, and pretty, and I know cool. I know Tesla was was doing maybe batches batches of like six to ten cars. You know they would do. They would do a run of you know a handful of cars of the same color, and that, about, that's mostly that's mostly a paint paint savings cost savings type sure. type deal than anything else. That makes sense. So what what about things like so this is weird. This is one that I didn't fully get. So the other the other ones I, I've read about are people saying like oh whether they're doing international cars or domestic cars. Some of that kind of makes sense, and there there might be different components or things, and you can talk about that. But the one that did, that puzzled me was wheels. There's a whole thing about people saying, oh, if you get 21-inch wheels versus 19-inch wheels, it'll change when you get your car because they do them in different batches. And the only thing I could think of for that is maybe supply chain because I can't imagine that that has any impact on running the line. Yeah, I agree. But- so I, I happen to know a lot about wheels, uh, at least how, what the status was in 2018 for Model 3. And, and that, that is, it's, it's production planning. Um, so uh, the, when, when they decide what car to use built... Um, they decide that after it's been painted. So like your car doesn't get a VIN number until it's after it's been painted. It doesn't get assigned to a person until after it's painted. Uh, I, I know they don't get sign out VIN numbers. I don't think they do that the same way they used to. But uh, when it goes to general assembly, um, when they would make that queue for general assembly, there was not enough time to, the wheels are, are assembled offsite. So the tire whim is balanced offsite um, and they're shipped to the site. Th- that takes longer then the car gets to the wheels, which is one of the last last stations in line. So, so what they would do is it because of you know, hey, we're gonna you know do VIN number ten, but when VIN number ten has twenty one inch wheels, they can't order the wheels at that point um, after they've already assigned the VIN, and that's production planning. That's that was a you know, I I was on wheels. It made my life really difficult for them to do that. I fought very hard for them to say, why don't we have a 12, 12 hour queue before GA and. We just solve the problem easily. We don't need 12 hours. We need like less, but that would make everything really easy. Um, but, that, but that's the reason. Um, and so there's, there's the ability to have two different types of wheels get sequenced to the line, or at least when I left, um, that was the, there was, there was the ability to have two different types of wheels sequenced to the line. Um, 
there was a project where you we would fix um, fix or be able to sequence in facility, but that I, I left um, with that you know getting funding um, at that point. Now speaking of wheels, I just read in where the- one of the major manufacturers I want to say GM, but I, I I'm probably wrong. A major manufacturer has has stopped shipping wheels and tires with the vehicle. They've got these little donuts that they put them on strictly for shipping. The wheels and tires are actually installed at a receiving area after it's left the plant. And they say it's it's more cost effective and there's less risk to damage and theft uh, doing it that way. And they actually ship the biscuits back to the uh, the assembly area to be reused. Um, have you heard of anything like that or seen it? <coughs> Uh, I haven't heard anything like that. Um, I know, um, I know, wheel damage is a, is a big thing, um, especially when you're you know driving through these um, sort of tight areas and logistic yards and driving along trailers and things like that. So, um, I know that uh, I know that uh, you know wheel damage is, is a big thing, and you know most people buy their fancy rims and they curb them like day four because they don't know how wide their car is. <laughs> I've got, I've got I, I yeah. signature wheels coming and I'm really hoping I don't ding them. On the th- <laughs> but, um, it, 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 you know, that's a really easy thing to customize. It's really easy for basically anyone with a, a jack and a torque gun to do. Um, I mean, the, the one they do at the facility, you know, you get guaranteed amounts of torque and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a better an assembly, but I mean, yeah. the wheels are designed to go on and off really easily by almost anyone. I mean, on the side of the road, I, I have a hydraulic jack and you know tire iron, and I can. So I can JT, so when swap they a tire out. So so when it, when they when the uh, Tesla showed us the Model Three at the reveal, yep. they had the Ubertines on there, and so um, is there a reason why, if you can say why those never made it to the first batches of Model Threes and it didn't come till later? Was there a reason? So so they had the what? The Ubertines, the the Ubertine wheels that the the, oh. the the ones that that um that they showed were not the ones that were on the cars so, they first released, but they came later because I have them now. So is there, is there is there a reason why they didn't do the Uber those that type of wheel design? So that was planned. I, I was planned a long time out. So there there's a there were a, a huge collection of tire rim uh, combinations. Um, you know, European tires are different than American tires. Uh, they don't do the low rolling resistance um, the same way we do. Um, they have much softer, stickier tires as their sort of base tires. But um, the 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 wheel tire, um, I don't really know why. But the the original, the, it was planned for for quite some time to have the two wheels, the the black wheels with the wheel covers, um, which look way better without the wheel covers, and um, and then the the silver nineteen inch wheels. Um, that was that was the plan for a long time with uh, no tire choice. Uh, uh, with no tire choice, um, I happen to know that the only reason why performance tires got pushed to the front of the line was because Elon tweeted it, and I heard about it like four hours later. <laughs> It's like JT, we have to sequence three tires to the line now. I'm like, well, I designed for for those two, and then we have the project to do all the rest of them later. Um, when we add European um, European production, which was which was the original plan. Okay, but so, I don't so, know okay. why. I don't know why, but I can tell you that was planned. <laughs> okay, no, there, there was there's planned to have the the 18 and the 19 inch wheels, the the black 18 inches, and then the 19 inch whatever the fan blade ones, which. And 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 Tesla, because I'm I'm ignorant on this. Uh, do Tesla make their own wheels, or do they have a third party that makes their their wheels? They they they, they buy them from a supplier. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, they, 
So Tesla's involved in the design of those wheels, uh, the aesthetics of them, but not the uh, fabrication or, or anything like that. Yeah. And 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 some of the wheel. So I, I guess Tesla also would would um, talk to the manufacturer about making them more EV friendly, more to to save on uh, uh, your battery charge. I guess to to make them more. Yeah. So e- like anything friendly. in the automotive industry, <laughs> Tesla is going to specify a wheel, and they're going to give a lot of specifications. You know, mass, um, inertia, all, moment inertia, all, all this stuff, and they're going to give them their, and they're going to talk to suppliers and they're going to find out who can give them as close to what they want as possible. Uh, but Tesla's not in, in charge of, you know, manufacturing them or, you know, determining the manufacturing process or the QC process of that. They're just um, giving a spec to a vendor and it's a very detailed spec um, and then and then getting the wheels they want back. Random question. What's your thoughts about the Cybertruck? <laughs> uh, I'd rather have an F-150. Just, 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 <laughs> uh, every, you know what? Everybody, everybody has, you know, when I ask that question to so, guests, they so say, oh, I got an F-150. Yeah, so, yeah. so like the F-150. I'd rather Rivian. <laughs> well, <laughs> so so so, the so no reservation for you, I guess. No reservation. Like the F one fifty has like a usable usable trunk. It's got it, it's practical. If I'm gonna get a pickup truck, it's I'm gonna I'm going to use it for something. I, I'm not a pickup truck person. I got I have a sedan and a hatchback. My next car might be a minivan, but uh, no. I, I, if I want a truck, I want a, a truck with a real bed. I want a truck with you know. Oh, I, I, you not a glass truck, roof. a real truck. Like, like if I have conduit, like I'm gonna go. I, I bought a new house three weeks ago. I'm installing conduit to install my charger. I gotta buy like three sticks of three ten foot sticks of EMT. I'm gonna put them on my car. I don't want glass. I don't want glass to be <laughs> the top part of my car, my pickup truck when I'm you know carrying something that's long. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I just I just installed my charger a few weeks ago, and I was just like. Man, how am I going to get this EMT? I guess I in you know whatever. I ended up getting flexible conduit. That's what uh, I ended up doing. So <laughs> I, I, were, I have, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I was able to get eight foot EMT sticks when I did my my last install, and it worked great. Got it for free nice. too. <laughs> got oh no, my god! I know some electricians. <laughs> I used so, to be an electrician. Okay, <laughs> I worked. I worked. I worked with a bunch of electricians back uh, when I had my my. Back when I got my my car originally in 20, 2012, and uh, they're like, we don't use this one inch EMT anymore. You can have it. JT like, oh, JT is nice, reading nice. my mind because I was going to ask him about his fancy Model S. So you got one of the OG Model S's. So can you tell us? Um, it has over a hundred thousand miles, yeah, got like one hundred thirty five thousand <laughs> miles on it. Yeah. So can you can you tell us? Um, uh, tell us the viewers and listeners like what things have had have you had go yeah. wrong what, with what it what are some of the challenges of maintaining yeah a, exactly an, an older tesla yeah. so <laughs> uh, really early on uh i <clears throat> drove off a curb uh ouch uh, <laughs> and uh i had a big insurance scare so so this was like march of 2013 uh Oof. i had a big insurance scare the insurance was like well you need a new battery there's it's dented and Tesla's oh. like, no, you don't. It's it's this, this rail. It's not actually part of the battery. It's designed to, and and I didn't have my car because the insurance company's like, oh, this is we're gonna total it. I'm like, I drove off a four inch <laughs> curb, and you're like, like total a straight, it, was, it was just a parking <laughs> lot, and it just had a four inch drop off. I, like the sun, like I couldn't see it. Whatever, I, I dropped. It. I just didn't. Anyway, it was it was really challenging. So I, I had challenges early on, um, but uh, there's a lot of weird stuff. Um, about it, like I changed my my low voltage battery uh, a couple weeks ago. I ended up paying Tesla to do it because it's like a two and a half hour process because it's really hard to get to. 
you have to take off all of your front trim. You kind of have to pull back the tub a little bit. You can you can kind of get there, but you're reaching around. It's it's not designed to be to be taken out. It's a really hard part. And when Tesla quoted it, they're like, oh, we're gonna have to charge you $20 to install it. I'm like, I have a 2012 Model S. They're like, oh yeah, it's gonna be like $70 to install it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it just takes that long. Um, so there's there's a lot of weird stuff like that. Um, and um, you know, the, the door handles back then are a little tricky. That's one of the things I was really conscious of when I bought it. It's like, I think, I still think the Model S door handles the way it's self-present. It's like the coolest thing in the world. Every time Gotta I walk agree. into the car, I Gotta still love agree. it. Like yep. I've had the car for over eight years or um, nine years now. And uh, like I walk up to the car, the door handles come out. It's like the greatest thing. But I knew that they're not going to be the most reliable things ever. Uh, I was <laughs> I had like two or three recalls of them. I can't remember how many times Tesla replaced them. But um, I still have the, lit, the, the, the ones with the LED lit lights underneath them. So I didn't get wow. the ones I'm they're using jealous. now. But um, the uh, I had one break. And um, Tesla's like, oh, we want $900 or whatever for oh. one door handle. And I'm like, well, <laughs> so it's it's just the switch. It's the micro switch. It's like a $10 right. part, um, but it's not a standard micro switch. So it's like a $40 part because <laughs> um, you got to get the, the, wire, the wire entry is different. <laughs> and it only works for Tesla because Tesla, you know, custom, they specified this micro switch instead of buying a, a standard one, they specified one and, you mm-hmm. know, you can't, it's hard to get a replacement part for it. So. Right. Um, there's a couple of people that make them, whatever. I, I ordered one off the internet because Tesla wanted like $300 for a micro switcher. It, it wasn't $300. It was an incredible amount of money for a micro switch. So I got, I got them for like 70 bucks or something like that. I got a full set. Um, you have to take the door handle out. You got to reach around the glass. It's, it was, it was difficult, but, um, I, it's, you know, you, you have to learn how to do things yourself. You have to be ready to pay. Have you, have you had any other major issues like with the drive motors or anything like that? So I'm on battery two. First, uh, first battery. The first battery had the contactors uh, seize. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if they were seized open or shut. I really don't know. Uh, but they, they just completely disables the car. The car won't do anything at that point. Uh, so my wife was stranded in a parking lot in PetSmart uh, when that happened. That's um, not good. So they uh, they opened up the battery and they replaced the um, the non non serviceable part of the battery. They opened it up. Um, and this is all under warranty, but. They opened it up. They replaced all the contactors. About three years later, um, I think the same thing happened again. Tesla never really told me what what happened, even mm. though I was working there at the time. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I got I got, a, I got a brand new I got a brand new ba- yeah. Uh, but yeah, I got a brand new battery. Um, so that was uh, that was about seventy thousand miles ago, sixty thousand miles ago. Um, I got a brand new battery, so my battery is only like four or five years old. Um, and then drive units, I've been through a bunch of drive units. I'm like really? drive units. I think I'm on drive unit six. Yeah. Ouch. Wow. So, um, the first one just, I, I honestly think it was a manufacturing defect, but the whole, the whole, um, gear, uh, uh, gear reduction in the, in the drive tray just disintegrated. It just, it was good marbles. Um, I was just driving wow. and I heard a chunk and I lost almost all power. And then I started hearing marbles and I lost all amount power. So I'm just assuming that everything in there just disintegrated. I, I think it was a prime manufacturing defect. Um, uh, and then uh, got a new new drive unit. Um, and then those early drive units have this, I don't know that's clunking, but you hear this thunk when you go from acceleration to regen. So when you, you change, the, uh, change the direction of force and uh, whenever you hear the tick, you call up Tesla and you say, hey, it's doing it again. And they'll give you a new one. <laughs> It's doing um, it again. <laughs> but they, they give you they give you a refurbished one that has the same problem. So I went through like four or five of those, a bunch of those. Um, 
So, when, some when was people, the last time? Some people, when you call maintenance, they know exactly what you're talking about. Some people have no idea. So you just have to call a couple. Back then, you could call. You could just call a couple times and, uh, you know, talk to the right person. Like, oh, yeah, we'll get you in. Just uh, we'll order one. Just wait. Keep your car. We'll, we'll tell you when to do it. And then they, you know, set, they can do it a day or two. Wow. When was the last time you had it replaced? How long ago was that? The last time I had it replaced um, was 2017, late 2017, probably. And oh, you, no, no. Uh, had- it might have been 2018. It might have been late 2018. So despite all these issues, you still love the car? Still like the car a lot. Do, do you like see yourself trading it in for something else? Or are you just keeping it till it just I, I'm going to keep the car. It's, 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 well, I'm going to keep the car even after Frank's. <laughs> um, I like it. it. It was a big, big, um, big part of my life. Like is, is why I started or went to work for Tesla. Um, I always wanted an electric car. Uh, I didn't think I'd, they'd really exist. And then the Model S came out and I was like, well, I can $50,000. $50,000. I can afford that. And then $97,000 later. Now you've got Mark all wound up. <laughs> see, see, see Mike and Lewis, the, the cool kids with the hair. No, we, we see meet JT and I are on the same page. Cause I was just going to ask him like, first off, he knew I was going to ask about his model S. That's now, a low blow Mark. Now, blow. now, now I was like, okay, JT, how did you get into EV? Like, what was it? What was it about oh, yeah. this whole test thing? And got in. he was like, well, I always wanted EV. So JT, tell us, you know, what, yeah. what, what, what were you before Tesla, before you knew what Tesla were, what, what were you doing up until that point that, that were you always into electrical things to EV cars as a little child or as so, a teenager? Did anything like that? Since happen? I was like eight or nine years old, I would tell my parents multiple times a week how many days it was until I was able to drive. So that's all I wanted to do <laughs> wow. from like a very, very young age. Um, uh, I got my driver's my permit on the day I turned 15. I got my driver's license the day after I turned 16 because I turned 16 on Sunday. It was a disaster. Um, <laughs> I had to wait till I Monday. About that like two years before it happened. I'm like, is the DMV open on Sunday? Because this is going to be a problem for me. But um, uh, no, I always wanted to drive. Um, I, I was very um, STEM oriented in, in, in high school. Um, I took, you know, uh, and I, I wanted to design cars. I was dead set on designing cars. And I went what to was your first car? The first car you had? The Dodge Neon, a 1996 Dodge Ooh. Neon. That thing was terrible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I drove it drove it like a race car. I drove it at the limit for quite some time. The uh, The odometer broke on it, so it said 180-some thousand miles. It had like 250, 300-ish. <laughs> Uh, it was it was a it was a gem. It had uh, it was white from the factory, um, and then it got stolen, and uh, they crashed wow. it into a bollard. And of the of the all the insurance money, the only thing we spent on it was to f- undo the dent in the door because it didn't open and close anymore, and to paint it because it was the paint was wrecked. And my brother, we shared the car. My brother decided he wanted it black, and I was like, I want it, don't want it black because it's gonna look like crap. Guess what it looked like? It looked like a reverse Dalmatian, so it was black with white spots <laughs> everywhere. So we got the $300 paint job because we're like, let's pocket this insurance money. That's right. $300. So, what, was that Earl Shine? I was going to say Earl Shine. It was Electrobake. I don't know if that's like a chain or something. It was Electrobake, but they promised to do three coats. Um, oh, yeah. Three and, whole and over coats. Three day, over three days. But my brother and I went to the Electrobake place and we saw our white car like six hours before we got it the next morning. We went and saw the Electrobake and it was white. So they spray painted it and gave it to us like two hours later. 
So I cut you off, and I'm sorry. I yeah. just was just curious. So, so you in school, you you enjoyed designing cars. That was your thing. Once you got oh, your license, no, and your- no, absolutely not. I went to college, and I took a, a machine design class, and they tell you this is how you size a screw, and I'm like, ah, uh, nope, I don't have patience for this. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, like, like in this class, you see, like they teach you for like a week. This is what, like, this is how you pick screw pitch and the screw depth, and you know. And I was like, I was like, but you just go to a catalog and you pick a screw, right? You pick a screw. <laughs> you, you, you pick a screw. Um, there's a lot of reasons why you would want to pick one screw over another screw, right? You don't want eight different lengths of screw if you can have six different lengths of screw, even if the screw cost is slightly higher. Um, yeah. You know, getting it to the right spot and making sure you have all the right ones is better. And <clears throat> my manufacturer, uh, my, 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 my professor in this class, he worked for Big Three. Um, he designed cars. Um, so he, he, you know, this was like, this was the class that I was so looking forward to. And I'm like, I don't have the patience for this. Mm-hmm. Designing a spring, designing a screw. It's like, no, you, just, you look at a catalog and you pick the right one, right? Like, I already knew that. And I was like, you pick the right one, right? We're not designing a spacecraft where, you know, a gram makes a difference. Like a gram makes a difference on a car because there's thousands of parts, but you know, it's a kilogram. Um, but you're, you're not going to get a custom screw made. It's cost too much. That's not what made, that's what an automobile manufacturing is not about. So he, he tells us and in, in the middle of the class, this is early on. Um, but I'd already basically like, well, this is not what I thought it was. Uh, he tells me this story. He's like, yeah, I was on, the, I ran a team that designed a door hinge for GM and we saved, like, I don't know, 12 cents apart. I'm like, uh, okay. We made it, they put it on like, they put it on like 12 models. And they're like, and then he, and then he, then he tells us, and this is when I like fully grasped what, what, what the class was about. He's like, we put it on 12 models. They made like 4 million cars with this door hinge every year. So I don't know if it was 4 million. It was, it was a huge amount of cars. It was, you know, a million 12 cars. Cents is 12 and there's cents four, per- there's four, at least four per car. And you're like, Whoa, that's, you know, that's, yeah, four engineers full time on a door hinge for three years is perfectly financially justified. Um, Like that's, that's the level of detail. And at that point, I, I I have the ability to do that. Not, not what I'm interested in. Um, And I got involved in manufacturing. Um, I took a couple of classes in manufacturing where it's like, hey, we don't care. Put a big, big, big screw in there. We just don't want it to fall apart. I don't care that it costs 13 (laughs) cents versus 12 cents because I'm building four of them. Right. Um, so I, I got into the, into that and I got into a bunch of continuous and chemical process, um, work right after school. So how did that get in, get you into Tesla? So how did, uh, so my senior year, I took power electronics class, which you had to take, um, these sort of combined, I was a mechanical engineer, you take electrical engineering, you know, sort of combined classes. So you have a breadth of knowledge, you know what, you know, your adjacent, um, units are doing and, um, we learned about what an inverter was and how you, you could do motor control. And I was like, this is a, this is a car transmission. This is way better than any car transmission that's ever been built. And I thought about it as a car transmission. I'm like, you're gonna have a small gen set. You're gonna have super capacitors or maybe a battery. At that point, I was like, the batteries are probably not gonna work. You have super capacitors, which were, you know, small amount of charge, but you know, you have a, a gen set that's running at, you know, 20 kilowatts. You have super capacitors that can get you zero to 60 in you know, for your four or five seconds, you know, sports car level. That's not a lot of power. I mean, it's a, it is a lot of power. But um, speaking for like the for driving long distances, what a car does, it, you know, it's you can you don't it's not a lot of power. You don't have to store a lot of energy. Um, 
and you can, you know, your average consumption of cars is really low. Um, but you have these accelerations, which are these big spikes, but you know, they're very short. They're seconds, right? They're four or five seconds worth of acceleration. You never really accelerate long periods of time. So going over mountains and things like the I3, um, with the, the Rex I3 has issues with that as well, right? When it's, um, when it's low, low battery, right. has issues with, you know, high power draws, but that I didn't think about those issues when I was, when I was in high school and college, but I, I, I became obsessed with getting rid of a transmission in a car. And, um, so I always wanted an electric car. I kind of figured out, I kind of saw Tesla in 2008 timeframe. I saw the Roadster. The I was Roadster, like, well, it's a hundred, hundred and thirty thousand dollar car. I'll never own that. And, um, but I, I would, I would like Google Tesla, or, um, you know, search them, you know, every few months and just see what they were doing. And then, I don't know, it was 20, 2010, 11. Um, they, they like announced the Model S and then I want to say 2012 or maybe, sorry, the end of 2010 or maybe early 2011, they announced it was going to cost $50,000. Um, I was like, well, I can, I can afford a $50,000 car, especially if I don't have to pay for gas. Um, at that point, I was driving like almost 40,000 miles uh, a year. Um, my previous job, I was driving like five or 10,000 miles more, just, just commuting. Um, I drove, drove a long way to, to work. Um, I was like, I was spending $300 a, a month in gas, three, 350, 400 at that time. And uh, wow. I was like, well, I, I could easily sport an electric car with, you know, 50 grand. Um, Imagine what that'd be right now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, that was, that was uh, post-2008. So that was like this, this big spike in price. There were $3 a gallon, I think, around that time frame. But um, uh, and I had a diesel car for a large period of that, which was like it is now way above a gasoline price. Um, so I was, I was feeling a little bit of that as well. But um, so... I was like, but I don't, I drive, I drive a lot. I, drive, I was driving 40,000 miles a year. Um, so I, I took a log, I did 400 days and I logged every mile that I drove <laughs> for 400 days, every single day. And I, I noted if I could charge, you know, at the end of the day or not. And, uh, there was only one day in that 400 day time frame where I couldn't make it with 160 miles, 160 miles was my limit. I was looking at the leaf. I, I you know, I, I, was, I just wanted an electric car at that point. Um, I was looking at the leaf because it was it was also out. The leaf was seventy miles, maybe, and I was yeah, like, I, I, "My commute is sixty <laughs> miles, right? My commute is sixty miles. I can't do anything else but my commute." Um, I was living in Georgia. A leaf was a free car. You would get a state rebate, which was more than your total lease payments would be over two years, and that was what the lease wow. was offering. So it was literally a free car. And I was like, "Well." I don't want a third car. Um, you know, I, I don't want to just commute in this car and then swap. I don't want to be forced to go home right directly to swap cars. I don't want to do that. A lot of people did. Um, but, um, I got the, I got the model S I, I, I thought it was great. Um, I was going to buy the 40 kilowatt and then I don't know. I, I was like, well, I could afford a lot more and I couldn't really what, what, afford it, but I kind of made it work. <laughs> was it, was that your first EV? The Tesla was that your first EV? That was my first EV. Yeah. Back in the first one you ever drove. First one you ever drove. Oh no, uh, no, no! I had driven a Model S uh, before uh, before I bought it, um, and I had driven. But no the, other, no other I, No, I'd live in. I'd live in a. I'd driven a Leaf. I'd driven an Imiev, mm-hmm. a Mitsubishi, and um, I think those were really the only ones that were really available at that point. Especially, I lived in Georgia at the time, and you know, outside of, there was there was maybe a couple more in California, but that, those were the only ones that were available to me. Interesting. So okay, so. Um, 
There's a topic we're gonna, because I, there's so many questions I can ask you, man. There's Gigi's a wealth of knowledge, <laughs> but uh, I got to we, we got to stick to a plan here. So there was um, uh, an issue with uh, the model Y fire that a lot of us out there listening and, and watching us here re- recall. And and I've seen I've seen some mixed things about it. Uh, and, and maybe JT, you can tell us what you think about the about the model Y. But um, what happened is this person, the car was smoking, and then they they couldn't get out of the car they, they, it was uh yeah th- it was just the doors like they didn't know that they could just well they lost they lost all power right and, and they could yeah. they couldn't open the they, they didn't know the the there manual was a, there was a different way to open that door yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah, they ended the, up yeah. pushing they the, kicked, the, they, they kicked the windows out yeah and, and so went out. so but they were they were trying to make it seem like the person was trapped and it was on fire and we all know that that well, not all of us, but I think it's kind of known <laughs> that the um the the battery the the car has a big battery under it, and we know that some of us know that lithium it it can just it spontaneously it can when it, when it combusts it can go. So, um, tell us your thoughts about the Model Y because you mentioned you want to get a minivan, but would you get a Model Y versus a minivan? But tell us about your thoughts about it, and then tell us um how safe do you think that the the Tesla made the battery design to where we know lithium can be unstable, but it, are there protocols in in the battery design to make it safer so that it gives you some time to get out before it just spontaneously combusts? Yeah, so I I don't know why you would get a Model Y. I think a Model Three. I think the Model Three is a better car. Well, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I, I, I agree. It's like why Ouch. not get a Model Three? The Model Y not get a Model Three. Uh, I, I agree, but there's it, people who think Model Y is the cat's pajamas. So. Uh, now I've hated I've hated SUVs and, and tall cars forever, so <laughs> I'm I'm very biased in that fact. Um, but I, it it just looks it looks like a stretched Model Three. I, I don't like maybe if you have six foot people in the back back seat all the time, there's not a lot of headroom in Model Three. And I I think the, I haven't been in a Model Y, but I, I, you could probably get a little bit more headroom in the back of that thing. But other than that, I. I mean, it, I know it's bigger. I, I've seen the inside, but I, I don't know. I, I, the Model 3 looks way, way better than me. I, I'm heavily biased. But if you ask, if you ask me, I, if you ask me why folks. you get a Ford Escape over a Focus when you could get a Focus, I'd be like, I don't know why. The Focus is better. <laughs> um, so, you know, same thing with the Civic and the CRV. I'd be like, get a Civic hatchback back when that, they had made Civic hatchbacks. But it the, definitely seems like a lot of people like the Y, though. The Y, there's a ton like of them. I see wave around. I see, I see ton of them. More, I mean, Model Three's been out yeah. way longer. I see as many Model Ys, if not more. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. But, uh, but if you, but do you know anything about the the this, the overall battery tech yeah. and how Tesla manufactured the packs? Uh, are they do, do they put some protocols and things to make them a little more safer to give you time to get out? Or so, I, I like. I I don't I'm not I don't know lots of details in the pack. I know right, they've got lots right. of sensors. I know they got thermocouples in there. I know they're monitoring temperature and things like that. I know it's cooled. Um, I I think most of it is probably based on um, no defects in your manufacturing process, right? Making sure you don't damage a cell after it's put in, and then quality control on your cells. I think that's really going to be where most people are at. Um, obviously, GM had issues with. Um, you know, design issue with their battery, um, right? They recalled all those bolts, but 
um, like you might and, and, uh, and Kia Kia and Hyundai Kia also recalled I can't remember if it's the Nero or the Kona they recalled a bunch of those as well and they told people to park them outside um, yeah so uh, but I think it's mostly mm-hmm. going to be you know I think most of those are probably gaps in their software to you know do the proper maintenance of their their cells you know make sure they're not overheating or you know doing whatever doing whatever they're supposed to do when they're overheat um, you know gap there in the, either the software the the sensing but I think I think mostly it's at that point, it's I think really the quality of your battery is going to be down to cell quality, and you know, in a, after it's manuf- after it's manufactured into a, a pack. And I don't know a lot of the details. I know almost everyone is cooling their batteries now, which makes them last way longer. Degradation goes way down. You have a little bit, a little bit of you know to to help stop a runaway event, but I don't think I don't think anyone's cooling system is really going to stop that. But uh, um, I, don't yeah, I, mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not into fire. that. When it comes to fire, Mark, I would add that they do use special materials around the packs that are supposed to minimize, you know, being fire retardant, things like that, to try to reduce the battery from actually catching on fire. But, uh, I mean, there's only so much you can do there. Right, right. Yeah, once you get run away, there's not a lot you can do. You can hope the next next one over doesn't go, and you can kind of manage where the fire, where the the energy and heat is going. Um, right. So we're, we're looking at some of the video now. People who are listening, sorry you can't yeah. see it, but this is some of the video <laughs> that was taken of the Model Y that we're talking about. And from my vantage point, it looks like something, like the, the battery pack at the bottom, there's nothing going on up under there. To me, it looks like this started like maybe in the, at the 12-volt battery or maybe something, you know, maybe the guy had something inside the car or something like that, you know? I mean, just from what I'm looking at. So I, I want to point something out here at, and – you know me and being an engineer, and I like my details. So, as far as I've been able to research, there's been 85 reported Tesla fires confirmed from from the time they started making Teslas. 85 last year alone for uh, vehicle fires. That's basically ICE. There's been 173,000 reported vehicle fires. That was just last year. The year before. Uh, was 189,000 vehicle fires. So, you know, when, when we talk about vehicle fires, it's not so much whether it's a pack or it's a gas car or whatever. You, you got to look at the, the overall number of what you're talking about. I mean, it, it, it's, it's FUD. You know, it's fear, uncertainty. You know, people make this big deal about, oh my God, the battery's got lithium in it. Okay, you've got 22 gallons of a very volatile fuel behind you in a piece of tin or maybe plastic tank. That's not baffle. It, it, um, it's not going <laughs> to matter how you store the energy. The amount of energy it takes to move a, a two-ton, three-ton car is, it, it's is a astronomical. And you're going right. to have energy releases that are not planned, and you're going to have... I like Massive that. Not fires, planned explosives. energy release. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, I, I worked as a, I worked in the chemical industry, and non-planned like energy that. release is not a good thing. So JT, so JT, yeah. what do you, what do you think um, is why do you think Tesla is so ahead of everybody? What, what is it? Is it a better technology? What do you think that, that Tesla have now that the other manufacturers are going to take a long time to catch up to? In in your opinion, from working there with them. Well, I kind of see everyone sort of converging to like all the, all the early other manufacturers had these really big, um, you know, really big prismatic or, or pouch cells. And Tesla had these really tiny laptop cells and 
Tesla's getting bigger and the other manufacturers are getting smaller. I think everyone's converging on to, they're going to converge on somewhere in between. I think everyone's sort of realizing that having, you know, 7,000 individual cells is a nightmare for a lot of reasons. Um, and I think that, you know, these really big cells that, you know, if, if you have some issue with one of them really degrades the whole pack itself, you know, there's not a lot of, it, it's, it's a huge impact versus a, a smaller impact. It's still a large impact for one of those cells goes. And I think that's it. Um, I also think that, that people are going to start looking at the higher voltage sort of um, systems because you're going to save a lot of uh, mass and cost in copper um, going to those going to those systems. So I think I think that's where it's going to go. Um, I think I think Tesla had the real advantage because they just committed to building these really big packs. Um, and, and I think is when you, you and, and they also understood the need to cool them and they made a very sophisticated pack really early on. I, I think that's where Tesla really shined. I think it was a lot of foresight. Um, more so than engineering knowledge, I think is is you know they wanted to engineer a very sophisticated large pack early on, and they did a lot of that work early on, and they've they've been able to build on that and use that going forward. Interesting. So there, there's um, I think a lot of us know if we saw the documentary that uh, the New York Times did, you were a part of that documentary. I was, and yes. you you had some things to say, <laughs> and and um, I think overall the documentary was okay. There are some things about it I didn't care for, um, but um, if you'd like us, to hear more about that, listen right, to right, number ten. <laughs> so, so, um, but, but you, you've had direct knowledge with Tesla. You worked for them for a number of years, and you saw the manufacturing process. And so, you, you also may have been privy to seeing some of the autopilot features, the radar versus um, lidar versus camera vision system, and so. If you can tell us, what do you think? Um, do you think Tesla got it right by going the vision route? Because do, do, me personally, I agree with what Elon says and that cameras are the, the better way to go. I just think that's just that's just hot, you know. But I, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not like Lewis, who's who's a software guy who knows the ins and outs of these things. I'm just joke you public who thinks yeah. that yeah, I think cameras make a sense. So uh, if you can tell us a little bit about the documentary uh, and your your participation in it if for those who hadn't seen it yet i don't know why you haven't seen it it's a great one mm -hmm. but uh if you could tell us some of the behind the scenes about it and if you can what your thoughts are f to ask my question about the camera versus lidar thing what you think about that yeah so um i i don't know how familiar everyone is with documentary i had like an hour's worth of video maybe maybe 45 minutes worth an hour's worth of video uh, total taken. It wasn't all quality, but I, like I had, uh, you know, over an hour's worth of video and I was cut down to you know, a couple minutes, right. In the, in that thing. So I said a lot of stuff. I didn't really know what was going into the documentary. Um, I, I think it was pretty fair. I think that um, it is simplified for the, for the public. They didn't, one of the things which I talked about at length in my interviews was the, the, the iterations of autopilot because AP one and a AP one and AP two and, whatever they're doing now, which is like AP7, if you actually start counting up what, what the changes they're doing. Um, sure. it, they're, they're all very different. They're all designed to do different things. And they, they were even explicitly um, uh, advertised as doing different things. Um, I, I don't like ADAS systems. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want autopilot. I don't, I don't use adaptive cruise control. I don't even really use cruise control unless I'm going to drive for like more than one supercharger stop. Um, so that's, that's not my style of driving. I, I, I'm very attentive. I think those things, you know, I, I lose attentiveness um, 
uh, you know, I, I'll use I use cruise control for a couple minutes, right, to to move my ankles around, things like that. But in terms of a, a main point of driving, no, I don't use them uh, really. So they don't have a lot of appeal to me. So I'm very biased in that fact. Um, but I, the thing, so I have two sort of <laughs> I have two different um, thoughts on will cameras work. You can have high quality sensors. I'm talking lidar. Lots of radar, uh, you know, high quality ultrasound, high quality cameras, and you can make those work. Or you can have a lot, which Tesla is not using. Eight cameras is not a lot. A lot of low quality sensors and a lot of computing power to put that together to create a similar quality of sensing the world. I still think that there's huge gaps in sensing equipment to to get a fully autonomous vehicle that's equivalent to a person um, in t- terms of adaptability. And I also have questions about, and I don't really know this, but about how much compute power that would require to um, put all those sensors together. Um, I, that's the part I have a lot of doubt on. Like, you know, yeah, I've got two eyes. They're infinitely better than any camera ever made. Um, so, you know, we, 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 you know, they're not on the same level, not even close to the same level. Um, I also have ears, right? I, I use, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can hear a lot. Like I, I ride bicycles a lot. Uh, I don't know how many times I've yelled at a car to prevent them hitting me, right? And I know the Tesla can see everything all at once and, you know, maybe not need that. But that has, I've avoided being hit by a car more than 10 times by using uh, something that Tesla cannot sense at all, right? In their, in their autonomous driving. So, so I have deep, deep questions about whether it's, they're using the correct sensor set. I, I, I always have. Um, I think that what they're doing with cameras is very good, um, but I, I wonder about the the reliability of it and the the edge cases. So, like when you drive, most of it's easy, right? 90 percent of driving is pretty easy, um, and then the, the rest of it, most of it's not that hard, um, right? You have you have a couple of maybe not even seconds a month that are really truly difficult that require lots of um, lots of thought and, and effort and urgency. Um, and, and that's that's the part that that's just really hard to understand how an auto, autonomous system is going to work. And, and if you think about it, there's a couple of seconds a month or two or three instances, but there's it's a couple of seconds. So, it, it you know, I, I, I wonder about that. And I also have a I, I run and, and cycle a lot. I have a lot of issue with um, no audible, um, no audible thing. And, and no one's using that I know of is using, you know, uh, microphones and on. Audible mm-hmm. versus right. ultrasound, but uh, you know, audible audible inputs um, to to listen for, say, like a train or a person or a horn or an ambulance. So, but um, I yeah, I, I think I think if you want to go full camera, you need like 100, 200 cameras, low quality cameras, wow. right? Yeah. I, I think you need that level of 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 quantity. Wow. And I don't know what the right number is, but that that's the order that I would think that more you'd than wanna, eight for sure. More, more than, than eight, eight right? <laughs> yeah. The problem is if you lose a camera on a Tesla, it's it's blind. Right, has massive blind spots. It loses a single right. camera, any of the cameras, yep. it's blind. Um, so you need at least sixteen to to have you know quality, um, um, right? Gotcha. And then you start talking about some of the 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 the, un- the 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 poor poor visibility spots of the Tesla, like um, directly in front of it, um, low <coughs> cross traffic, you know, out out in front of the car, straight left, right at ninety degrees. Uh, those are low quality, um, low quality. At least as far as I can tell, it has low quality there, and then. Behind it, the recorders, it has very, very limited um, vision as well. Um, so I, I think you need to, to bolster that. And, and 
I think that most of your cameras are probably going to need to be like the front camera. You're going to have to have different focal lengths um, hmm. because you need to see, like if you're trying to cross, uh, like I, I cross, um, you know, I try, turn left across a, a road 55 miles an hour speed limit. Like you need to see a long way away. Um, and then you, when you're in a parking lot, you need to see really close to you. And I, I think that you probably need multiple cameras in, in a lot of those angles as well. I know, I know Lewis, <laughs> no, Lewis can, can, can weigh in on, on what he thinks about this too, because he's, he's a software guy. Um, and he's got his plaid and he's definitely has gone, he's on, on board with autopilot, but Lewis can also <laughs> shed us some light, uh, on, on what you think about, cause Lewis thinks the doc was Ac- it was was okay but i think it was it was it was certainly biased against tesla for sure it was clear that the producers are think that autopilot is you know fsd and all that stuff has been too early right like that they're it's too too high of a risk but um but there was accuracy and you know the obviously the accidents happened and some of the stuff they reported on but um no i i agree with a lot with jt said but what i would say is um, he's absolutely right. You know, different sensor quality is really what matters. And it's about the data that you're getting. Um, I think that eight cameras is not enough truly to be like, like, you're not going to be level five with eight cameras. Like you're out of your mind. If you think that's even feasible. Um, the thing to keep in mind is it's less about numbers of cameras and more about field of view, focal lengths, all those other types of things. And with different types of sensors, you can get pros and cons. Like I, I think the the driving force is cost, right? No matter what manufacturing, it's it's usually cost. Um, if lidar was free, would Tesla have lidar? Probably. <laughs> um, now, <laughs> solid, solid state need, lidar, solid state lidar, solid state, solid state lidar. Agreed. Those stuff's um, a maintenance now, nightmare. Do I? Yeah, active lidar and all the other stuff is different, but um, but do do I think that you know? Uh, do I think that it's capable of doing a lot right now? Yes, I def- I definitely feel like the the weakness is in the software, it is in the brain side of it than the sensor side of it. But do I think that they should add more robustness to their sensors? Absolutely. It does not necessarily have to be mixed mode. I mean, I I, I agree, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, Sandy Monroe made a comment about the auditory in one of his videos about how no car company is doing like audio, right? Like no one listens, there's no microphones going, hey, you know, um, and that's kind of interesting. But, um, you know, I'd be interesting to see what people can do with that. But the, uh, yeah, the, as far as sensors, I mean, infrared would be helpful in a lot of cases, more focal lengths agreed completely, uh, more angles of cameras. There's definitely blind spots, um, and you'd want to eliminate some of that. Um, and right now you're, you, you really run the risk of a camera going out. You know, if one camera goes out, your autopilot's not going to work. And it's just kind of like, Ooh, that's, you know, depending on the angle, right? Like as a person, I can move forward, I can move back. The B pillar right. doesn't move anywhere. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it only sees what it sees. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree with JT in the we need more sensors. Um, and over time, that may happen as they become cheaper. I think the bottleneck, why they aren't just throwing more sensors, is more the compute power. Um, because all that video has to be processed. And video processing is very expensive. Um, and so they if they double the number of cameras, even if they only had 16 instead of 8, you know, it's not 100, but like, Guess what? You need double the <laughs> the processing power of a GPU, um, and that already some people are arguing is starting to be a bottleneck. You know, with the performance of their their you know infotainment systems and other mm. types of things with autopilot and rendering and everything else. So, it'll be interesting we got to see. We got a question from a viewer, Don. Don, thanks for hanging out with us. And Don says, "Did the doc address Tesla's data showing Tesla's with autopilot engaged crashes are about ten times than the U.S. average?" What do you guys think about that? 
so the um yeah I don't know go go yeah for so it, the doc the doc put that out there um and your Tesla Tesla put out that information and the NH uh, I think it's the NHTSA um, also put it in their report uh, the the problem with that data and the question that the doc brought up about it was that it's it's um it's it's very low quality um, information that the test is pointing out there saying it's more it's safer uh, they don't talk about you know um, comparable vehicles so that's you know old vehicles and trucks and things like that um, that that have much higher crash rates so they're not comparing it to you know new expensive cars which is what a Tesla is uh, which are a lot closer um, and then they don't talk about what what miles um, what miles are being driven um, versus on autopilot versus non autopilot they're not equal miles. A mile in a parking lot is is much more difficult than a mile on a freeway, so uh, they they brought it up and they 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 um, but uh, they they sort of brought up a couple of those issues is that that data is it doesn't mean a lot if you look into it. Yeah, I think I think you know my impression from the doc was the producers were pointing out that Elon used it as a selling like yeah. as a marketing gimmick of. So, Hey, look what Nishta said about our safety when it was actually not anything that the government investigated or found out. It was purely Tesla reporting that. So Tesla reported it, Nishta put it in their yeah. report, and then Tesla went, yeah. hey, see, even the government said found th- these things. And it's like, well, they didn't actually get those findings. So, yeah. so that it was that actually, was a little marketing spin. Uh, you know and, what I mean? And, and now, now that I remember it, I was actually used in a documentary on there. And I think my comment was something like, Tesla could have given whatever data they wanted because they have they have the data. Um, if they wanted to give more clear data that it was a lot better, they probably would have. So they probably gave the technical, the best looking technical information they could get out. And that's what they gave out. Um, that, 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 that's that's what I would have done if I was a marketing person, right? Give the, I mean, the, the, the technically accurate, every but the best company, right? Every company's going to do that. <laughs> um, and, and if you look at the specificities, it, it doesn't, it looks it looks really good for Tesla, right? That it, It's a very good marketing point. And but it doesn't. It's not enough to say if they're actually better or not. It's, it's if you actually look at the data, it doesn't know. It's it probably it lends itself to say, yeah, Tesla's maybe a little bit better, but it, it's hard to tell. It's, there's not enough information there. Yeah, what do you think? Was it all accidents? It, yeah, was it if just you, highway. Yeah, was it, you know, autopilot's only used under certain scenarios. Yes. right? So yeah, it's fair. So okay, so let's uh, um, let's let's bring up uh, this this other topic we have before our time runs because I know JT JT thanks a lot for hanging out with us with this stuff too man. But uh, the guide for the perfect safety score. Now I know JT mentioned that he's not he doesn't too much care about getting FSD beta, but I had it on my old Model Three. I sold it and got a new one, and so I there's the only reason I got the first Model Three is because there was a loophole where you could like you know, opt out of it and opt back in and zero it out. And so back when uh, Tesla were allowing people like on Fridays, they they had like a schedule, like every Friday or something, they would bring new people in. I think uh, two days before that, I enabled the beta part. And then I was able to drive because that week I was working an early schedule um, for a show I was working on. So I was I was leaving my house at like 4 a.m. in the morning. Nobody was out, so I could drive there and back and with no problems. So I, that's how that's how I got into the to the um the beta because I just I spent two days driving like a grandma and it worked. But there is a cat here that he just swears up and down that if you follow his directions that you'll do it. And I have to really disagree that the the thing that kills you in trying to get the FS and trying to keep your score is the follow too closely 
because what's going to happen is you can be you can be two car lengths in front of somebody or whatever the car length you need to be. And then a car would get in front of you because here in, in L.A., two car lengths, you're telling the person, hey, come ahead and get in front of me. They, they don't respect <laughs> and, and that. And they will. Rapidly. And they will. <laughs> and once you do that, you now your follow distance is immediately bummed. And then if you want to ease off the pedal and let regen kick in, the the safety scores say, oh, this was a hard you know, a hard yeah, excessive hard breaking. Yeah. So then right away you're done. I mean, that, and that hurts you and it takes you a while to get back up. So I think <laughs> some of these uh, tips, this cat, what's his name? Let me, let me, let me put him on blast <laughs> and put him on blast. His name is, uh, uh, I forgot. I can't see his here name. Here comes the name calling. It's coming. Uh, <laughs> I can't see his name on here. It's Ra- 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 yeah, we'll he's from South Bay. And, and he's, okay, <laughs> he's from South Bay, California. Now, where is that at? That's probably someplace out where there's like 5,000 people that live there and you can just drive cool. But <laughs> Raul, 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 I appreciate you, man, uh, saying all this stuff with not, not been a TLDR. But the problem is, is that, and for big cities like LA with lots of people in it, you have to drive safely for yourself, but you also got to drive for the other person. And so what you do is you put a cushion behind you and the cushion in, in back of you and on the sides, but people are in a hurry to get someplace and they're going to get in front of you. And no matter how slow you drive, actually, if you drive slower, that's going to make people get in front of you. And then you're constantly slowing yourself down and it, it just doesn't work. Now, I'm curious to know what, what Mike and Lewis <laughs> think about this, uh, this whole thing here. I love to hear y'all's. The so, y'all's so quickly, prove, I just got to prove to me, I, I prove to me that this works. I Googled it, and apparently it's a part of L.A. I don't know that that's true. It might be a different South yeah, Bay, yeah. but I just Googled it. Apparently it's part of L.A., so he's an L.A. cat like mm-hmm. you, potentially. South uh, yeah. But I- I'm just going to say... Not with a perfect score. Here's, here's a, <laughs> yeah. There's a great tip. Honestly, he gave a great tip. Um, and the tip is, uh, if you're on autopilot, it's not going to ding you. And in your example of somebody cutting in front, what he basically said was, double tap that stock real quick. If you turn it on to FSD or into an autopilot right as it's about to happen, it won't ding you. I, I don't um, agree. I do or, not agree. I'm just saying that, that, again, I can't speak from experience. This is what the post says. So um, I, I'm looking forward to actually, like, what I appreciate from this post is there's a lot of detailed info of his impressions of where things happen and how it yep, works. Yep. Now, do we know that that's confirmed, right? Does he, you know, he's not can't say that if he's an insider and actually knows those things for sure. Um, but I, I'm very curious to see uh, what happens with the scores. You know, uh, when I get mine, I'll certainly try some of these tips. Maybe they'll work. Maybe they won't. Louis, you got a plaid. I live in Austin. Louis, you got a you getting a plaid Model S that goes zero to sixty in like okay. zero nanoseconds. I, I'm, there's I'm no also way be taking it to a track. So there's no way I'm gonna have a good safety score. <laughs> I'm telling you, brother, it's <laughs> well, just not gonna happen. Sir, okay, Circuit okay, of the so, Americas here is a Formula One track, you know, in the yeah. U.S., and they let you uh, do racing with your own private vehicles. And I definitely oh, have that's it pretty on my sweet. List, so like I'll be, uh, I'll be doing that. So yeah, my my safety score is gonna be in the toilet, but. Uh, Mike, well, tell, I, tell I can us, tell Mike. you. So, so I, I, I subscribe to the the FSD on my road trip. Actually, I picked it up a month before my road trip and kind of got used to the whole idea. Fifteen hundred miles through Arizona, and I'm telling you, some of the roads there is nothing. So it's hours and hours and hours of driving on FSD, and I still could only get an eighty-eight. 
That's crazy. At best. And and I'm firmly convinced it's one, the average speed, although posted at 75, is about 85. FSD tends to hang close to the back of cars, even when it's adjusted. And I still had issues with fan and braking on on several places. And I'm 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 willing to bet that the system doesn't distinguish my braking versus the car deciding to automatically brake. I mean, again, (laughs) if if you read his posts, he does make some arguments that sound pretty plausible about how that could still, how things could still, like forward collision warnings, right? You know, it's doing how many per thousand miles. Um, It only counts like, like, or follow distance, right? Say follow distance. It only counts if you're within a certain distance of a car. So like most of you could be like, oh, I was fine. I drove for hundreds of miles and no one was in front of me. And yet I have one scenario and suddenly I'm, I'm screwed. It's so, like, yeah, because it's not counting those hundreds of miles. It's only counting when well, a car that's, is that's kind of a mistake then, isn't it? Two car lengths in front of you. Well, that's everything poor, that's seems poor to data. Have, you're, again, you're, you're cherry picking have, the data. You know, specific windows of where it counts versus where yeah. it doesn't. So it's an interesting post. I, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for, thanks Look, for posting. The, the, there, was a, <laughs> there was a there there's a member on the forums. His name is Alan Gold. And if I could high five him, I would. He says, wow, getting that score seems like a full time job. And that's exactly what it is. If you got to. Oh, let me let me press the stock and do all this. Let me do all of that just to keep maintain a 99 score or whatever. It's, yeah. It's it's you you you're putting too much effort into a drive and now be now the 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 fun of driving a Tesla well, goes out the window. I, I would also I, I, argue I, that if you're putting that much work into trying to get a perfect score, you're a hazard. But because here's the thing, agree. Though. agree. Whoa, 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 but let's back up. The point is, you're trying to beta test software that if you don't do it and you're not paying attention, you could kill somebody. So I would argue the vast majority of people driving should not have the if, beta if, 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 and if, should not be able if to have If I have beta score. software installed on my car and I have to pay more attention to the beta software than my driving, then the software shouldn't be there. But but you're not you're not paying for the beta software. You're not paying. You're not supposed to be paying attention to the software. He's talking. Well, that's about my how point. But yeah, but his score. point is I I need to do all this cool stuff to get the high score so I can keep the beta or even get into it. Sure. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I I think it's I think you're if you're expecting to just use the car and drive it normally, you're absolutely. not really beta testing. Well, no, really but but that's right, real so life. That's real me, life. Let me. I'm. I'm. Gonna, I'm. Gonna, I'm gonna have JT chime in, but I'm gonna say this from Dan. <laughs> Dan says I'm in Canada, Canada, a, eh? and have been keeping my score at ninety eight ninety nine for six months, waiting for beta. Pretty frustrating at first, but got easy imagine. eventually. And I don't. I, I do think it's forced. It's forced me to drive safer. Well, Dan. Um. Okay. <laughs> You know what? So, oh come on, you know give, give, give him give him kudos you know, for that. So I mean, thanks, thanks for that wonderful comment, Dan. So, okay, Dan. All right, so Dan, so you're in Canada. I'm, you know, so I've never driven in Canada before. Well, the Canadians are polite, so yeah, I, I understand that. <laughs> this isn't LA. But my point is, but Dan wants Dan wants the beta. He wants the FSD beta. I had it, Dan, and it's fantastic. It's it's really night and day. If if you have uh, FS, if you have uh, autopilot now. Um, the, the, the beta is like, it's crazy good, crazy good. I, uh, so I work in Hollywood and so I use it a, a lot in Hollywood and it really is cool how it ma- uh, maneuvers there. Cause it, there's, there's tourists that get out from the street, take a picture of the Hollywood sign, whatever. And they, they couldn't care less about cars around them, but no it's really, it's really, <laughs> it's really been good. So I hope you do get it. But that said, 
if you if you say it's making you a, a safer driver, maybe you can mention in the comment what's what uh, what 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 has made you do to be safer because. I'm a safe driver. I used to drive fire trucks. I was a fireman for a while. I used to drive fire trucks. And I, I have a commercial B license, so I drive big production trucks in it sometimes. So I feel that I'm pretty safe and know what I'm looking at. But when I had FSD beta and when I was trying to get the score, if anything, I agree with Mike, it made me more timid and it made me second guess myself. So now I'm losing focus around me and I'm trying to make sure, oh, look at the speed. Let me ease off the brake. And more so than worrying about my around me so it, it kind of i felt like See, i was kind of losing myself m- much like jt i just want to drive i want to yeah. drive i want to enjoy it i don't have to play games for the software and second guess myself and, and focus too much on what i'm doing other than the fact i'm enjoying the car simple sure. as that yeah i mean if you like taking g-forces you're not going to get a good safety score right like that's really a lot of it bro i'm measuring I, g's on cornering and honestly on deceleration. I, I drive my tesla a lot better than i drove my audi <laughs> bro hey, hey hey i get at a stoplight and i and i put my foot in the tank and boy you talk about this <laughs> oh yeah i always do that anyway jt chime yeah. in on us because we, we got to wrap it up but jt yeah. what, what's your thoughts about the the, the beta uh, the, yeah. the yeah, join the, the party stuff? yeah so <laughs> so my my car doesn't even have backup sensors i have not i got a backup camera and that's it it doesn't beep at me or anything Ouch. i love it i love it <laughs> so uh, so i know um i'd probably be super frustrated with with the safety score um I, I find when i'm driving with with ads systems i find most of my time i'm trying to find out what try to think about what it's going to do next um but um and sometimes it doesn't do it i get very frustrated very quickly which is why i don't like those systems and i a safety score that, that tells me uh what i did wasn't safe um i'd get infinitely frustrated with like well you don't even know i i know i know better than you you're just some <laughs> stupid computer, right? You don't know, right? Um, and, you know, sometimes I would be wrong for sure. Um, but the, the other thing is, like, I took, uh, I have a motorcycle license. It, I took, when I moved to California, um, I took the, the written motorcycle test to get to get it moved over. And um, they're like, oh, what's the safest way to go through this intersection? And I'm like, oh, go, go to the center line. And they're like, no, you need to go to the right. I'm like, no, not going to the right. Um, and, and, and it's, 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 it's not that, you know, going to the right or the left is safer, right? I, I know the, why they wanted me to go to the right, but in my experience is I'd have less, um, I'd have more, more ability to be seen and avoid a hard incident. Um, if I did something that maybe wasn't, you know, it might have had a worse, uh, outcome if there was a conflict, but I think you'd have less chance of avoiding a conflict. Um, and, and, or, I'd be avoided conflict. Like it's a written paper. I don't, are there oncoming traffic? That makes a big difference, right? If there's a have steady stream oncoming traffic, I'm not going to go to the center line. But if it's empty, I'm going to go to the center line because I have a bail point, right? So I, I I think a lot of it is is you know, it's a written test for you know real world experience, and it's it's never going to be dead on, right? And, and yeah. I, I think you really, I think a post like that, I haven't read it. Uh, I read I read skimmed it. Um, but it's because uh, because I don't I don't I don't really care. <laughs> But uh, I, I think I think that if you understand what it's trying and how it's trying to grade you, you probably have a very good chance of drastically increasing your score, probably pretty easily, um, without affecting you your driving too much. System. Right? You can gain the system. You know, you know what's going to get you that extra point or two, or what's not going to get you drop ten points. 
Yeah, well. And the other thing yeah, is, it's, it's, I used to drive triple digits everywhere, and now I drive the speed limit and get passed by everyone. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not hard to do. If you do it for a month or two, you can, you can right. do it. it, it it's no terrible. Way. It's terrible. You, you just hate yourself for a month. you're driving a Model 3 performance, you, you're driving you a performance Model 3, you cannot you drive. You hate yourself for a month, but you, you get used to it. It's not that bad. I can't it's do it. I can't. That's why I'll never, that's why I'll never have, well, I can't say never. That's why it'd be difficult for me to do it because the car is way too much fun. There's too much it's I, it's just too much. It's just too much. Anyway, okay, we gotta wrap up. JT, is there anything you're doing? Um, are you doing anything that people can follow you at? Are you do you have any blog you're doing or anything? Are you just like just chilling? Just chilling. I'm I, I have a semi incognito Twitter account that that's it. <laughs> I mostly just read. Okay, okay. So, I mean, do, do, I can do respect you, that. Yeah. Do you are are you active on Twitter and thing where you mention your things about EV related stuff? Yeah, I, I mostly rant about not about hating cars on Twitter. So <laughs> I don't do know you, if I'm the best follow for uh, people of this podcast. So I, do, I, have, do, I have a terrible love hate relationship with cars. I love them and hate them at the same time with just we all? mass extremes. <laughs> so anyway, it's, it, it's been fantastic JT talking to you, yep. man. Hopefully you can come back in the future. If some other things happen and we might want to get your expert opinion on it. So uh, maybe you'll, you'll uh, allow us to bring you back again. All right. Uh, Lewis and Mike, what can I say? I love you guys. Y'all, y'all got it going on. If if it wasn't for y'all, it would be no me. You know what I'm saying? So that's what's up. You know, we, I think it's the other way around. Mark. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, no. We, we got we got to get a shout out to our our cast behind the scene, Doug and Danny, Adam, all those cast, James. You guys don't see those people, but they really make all this thing work. So we thank you the guys. Heart and soul. They are. They are. So it's it's all about them uh, for helping us out here. So anyway, that's going to wrap it up for us for episode 11 if you're watching us on youtube please like and subscribe we want to hear your questions your comments you may have please share with us share them with us in the podcast section on teslamotorsclub.com or in the youtube comments if you would like to support this podcast please consider becoming a supporting member on the tmc website and also if you want to follow us on social media to see what we're talking about to see when lewis finally gets his plaid hey you can just the <laughs> links are down in the description so for myself myself mark mike lewis and jt l supreme we thank you guys for coming out and thank you everyone at home listening to us and streaming us and watching us on a beautiful Saturday before Memorial Day. So we'll see you guys next time, episode 12. Until then, have a fantastic weekend. Thank you.